You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Alga. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors and writers and directors and filmmakers, managers, agents, casting directors, voiceover artists, personal finance, I mean, you name it. Somebody involved with the entertainment industry or really kind of increasingly the kind of human potential movement. Um, as it were, Ooh, and uh, interesting, and yeah. we interview those people and stick it on this podcast, uh, and then put that out there on the internet for free every week for you, you, our listeners, and of course we are just two dudes with a podcast, so we don't pretend to know everything. So if you have something you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you can uh, do so in a myriad of ways. Uh, starting at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on today's episode, we have part one of our chat with filmmaker Ryan Sage. And he's got kind of a unique, interesting story as to how he got his most recent film made and kind of out to the world. Really kind of interesting stuff here in the first part of this interview, so make sure you guys stick around for that. Yo, what up, party people? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Trevor's <laughs> drinking water. <laughs> Welcome to uh, episode 76 of Inside Acting. Booyah. We have uh, passed the, what would you call it, three quarters, three, three quarters to hundred of a mark. century mark. Sort of. We're old. Yeah. We're old men. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what's been going on with you this week, brah? Uh, I have... Had a good... This past week was, was pretty cool, man. I had two uh, meetings. Um, one was for... Uh, oh, I know about one. Yeah, yeah. one was for, for Parenthood, mm-hmm. which was which was awesome to get into that office. Uh, and the other one was for kind of an indie film. And um, if I could take a big kind of learn away from this week of, of getting out there and kind of playing the game, it's that it is so important to stay in shape, to just... Stay in shape, like make sure your audition skills and how you approach your your copy when you get these things and you know how you compose yourself when you before you go into the room, when you're in the room, when you leave the room, how you deal with it. I mean all that it's been a little while since I've had uh, a meeting that I was kind of like, Ooh, okay, here we go, you know, meeting. Like let me let me make sure I nail this. And uh and I I, I could have done better in these meetings. And uh, if I could go back and do them again, I, I, I know exactly what I would do differently and, and better. And what is that? I would just I, I have a better better handle on the material. I wouldn't be thrown as much by little stuff like whether I should sit or stand. Hmm. You know, that's always been a big thing for me. Um, and I would remember that auditioning is a different skill than than actually being on set and and doing the doing the role. You know, it's a completely different kind of twist on things because you're selling your ideas for the character that's why we call it a meeting because you're meeting you're pitching your ideas for the character and if they jive with what they want for the character then then great and if they don't then then so you move on or whatever but you've also got to make sure you do that in a really kind of professional uh pointed way and i think i was a little vague with my pitch 
uh, for both of these things. I don't think I did quite the necessary homework. And, and that kind of thing, unfortunately, is only clear a lot of the time after you've been in the room and, and seen what the circumstances are like and where people are sitting and what it's like. And when you walk out, it's crystal clear, you know, what, it, what you right. should have done. But I, Which is why you're saying keep keep your muscles keep, up, yeah. yeah keep so, working so, out, so you can get those uncertainties thrown in your direction and just kind of, you know, deal with them, yeah, um, and deal with them well, like a like a professional. So I was a little frustrated at the way I felt after these, and I I haven't heard back from either of them, so I think it's safe to say that neither of them are happening. But um, you know, just another lesson learned on the on the journey. Yeah, I I wonder what the be- well, I guess it would be different for everyone. I was just thinking what would be the best sort of workout, like what would keep, you know, an actor ready to go into a room at a moment's notice? Like what, what is the, um, where do you, where do you, what gym do you go to, you know, uh, in order to, right. to have th- that workout? Yeah. Um, well, it's, and it's probably different for everybody, but yeah, I know, what, yeah, I, saying. I know for me when I, I, it's been a little while since I've been in, um, class with, uh, TJ at New British School. It's been a few weeks. And uh, I love that class because there's no method or technique that's being sold to you. It's just, let's get up and work. Hmm. Let's get up and work with scripts that are from TV shows, that are from films, that, that you know, you work in a smart uh, smart way that, that approaches some of the realities that you would deal with in the audition room and on set, you know, being asked to improvise, being asked to change things on the fly and whatnot. And I noticed that when I was doing that, it's just a, a subtle lift in your confidence level. Sure. Yeah, I would walk in and just be like, I got this. I got this because I've been doing this, you know, for the past four weeks, every week. Sure. Um, and I haven't been doing that for, for the past couple of weeks. And so I went into these and it was like, all of a sudden it was like that muscle hadn't, hadn't been worked in a couple of weeks. And so yeah. it was just new again. And I was like, man, I hate this. <laughs> it's so important to just be making sure that you are getting the workout, even if you think you don't need it. Even if you think I went last week, I can take this week off or whatever. It's like consistency is the number one thing, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's what gets you from point A to point B. It's just being consistent with it. Yeah. So it's tough too, when opportunities come few and far between, like during pilot season two years ago, like I had six pilot auditions. They were just coming like one right after the other. And it was cool. It was like good to like, you know, work out like that stretch and, and then, you know, sometimes it'll be like nothing for a long time and then one co-star audition and then nothing for a long time and one guest star audition or nothing for a long time and some feature film thing or whatever. And it's like, it's it's tough, especially when you may have been, <laughs> what I can see where you might have been even more frustrated, Trev, is because I know you and you are a hard worker. So you may have in those, in that interim between the last audition and these, <clears throat> Even though, even if you weren't going to acting class, you may have been working your butt off. I mean, whether it was like actually working out, meaning physically working out or, you know, doing some marketing stuff or, you know, creating abundance for yourself or whatever it is in the time between, you know, the last time you did it and this one. And then you go, oh, right. That skill. <laughs> That's so true. I need That's that one so true. too. Ah, crap. And in some ways it's one, it's one of the most important. So then you're like, ah, why did I, ah, I didn't set myself up to win. Uh, and now I get to go in there and be all, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. um, did we talk about on the podcast, the, the chemical release in your brain, roller coaster Fear versus excitement. Fear yeah. Versus excitement. Yeah, last yeah. episode. So yeah, I mean, that helps because you just think like, I'm not nervous. I'm just excited. Just mm-hmm. Put yourself in a different reframing mindset, it. reframing yeah. it, going in. Um, <clears throat> and then it also sounds like with the preparation with this actual script itself, and I think this might be able to help, um, our listeners is, um, just making like 
big choices. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you just make big choices and commit to them, then you're going to show up completely differently than how you were feeling like, oh, you know, it was kind of blasé or whatever. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I, la- I landed that. I didn't feel like I nailed that, um, you know, when you walked out of the room. And I think that is a portion of this skill set that is the skill set of, of auditioning, mm-hmm. you know, a large portion. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's funny. We, you can get so caught up just living your life and doing all the things that you need to do to live your life that mm-hmm. you forget mm-hmm. that, hey, you know, when you do go to meetings and auditions and do your work, you're drawing from that spring that you've created by living your life. But at the same time, you've got to work the skill to show that you've been living your life authentically and accurately and huh. without that, you know. So it's it, it can get, yeah, exactly. You can forget about it because you can work so hard and other areas but that was my big learn that even if you think you don't need it get in there and just just flex the muscle you know yeah. just get the blood moving so you did just say something that kind of sparked something in my brain which is you're out there living your life authentically i feel like if you could even if you weren't working the audition muscle if you could legitimately walk into an audition and live your life authentically in the audition room except in this case it just happens to be a character mm-hmm. that you're portraying that that in combination with making strong choices might actually get you a long way. Yeah, no, those it, those two things. You know, even if you weren't working out the audition muscle very often. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like I fell back into that in the old way of that I used to approach meetings and auditions, which was which was acting. It's putting something on. You know, mm. putting just and it just you know I let the, I let the nerves get to me and I let the I had to play my guitar and sing a song in this audition, so that was a little nerve wracking and stressful. Mm -hmm. And and it's funny because I was stressing out about that the most. And that was the easiest, best part. And the part that I kind of like wasn't so happy with was the, I was the actual reading the copy, which was like two pages. I was off book for it. It was fine. But for some reason I just couldn't, it wouldn't like sink in and and sit right in my body. Hmm. And I realized it was because I hadn't given it the attention it needed both the night before and the three weeks prior by not just kind of getting up and and working. Right. So right. not um, that you had the size for three weeks, but yeah. that your 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 well, as you were saying, wasn't wasn't full. Yeah. Wasn't ready to go. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, so homework number one, get in class and stay in class. Yeah. Important, important stuff. And if you're not in a class, get involved in a show or a short like just be doing something, you know. I the past couple of weeks I've just been working on other stuff and it, uh, you feel like it showed. Yeah, it, it showed, yeah. yeah. Or it mm. didn't show, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. What's new in your world? Um, well, I, did, I had an audition uh, this week as well, or a meeting this week as well. Um, didn't go so well. Um, I don't want to get too much into story, but basically uh, they just didn't agree with my choices. I think I was too old for the character, um, and then I had I got some bit of a bad vibe from the director. So I don't want to talk about what it was or who it was. What I think was interesting is that my manager followed up with the casting director. The casting director was like, Oh no, he just wasn't right for the thing. And blah, blah, blah. but I, you know, I love AJ and I'll keep calling, calling him back in. So it was cool. Like I booked that office. So even if I, that particular director has an issue with me, it doesn't really matter. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I will go back to that, that, um, office again. The fact that you're able <laughs> to separate that, separate the, one person maybe not vibing with you from the overall experience of being in that room and showing your professionalism 
is uh, is pretty dare I say advanced stuff. Uh, it's pretty awesome thanks. that you can yeah. do that. I wouldn't. I couldn't have done that a couple of years ago. Like I would have gone in and been like, "They hate me. They all hate me. I right. suck." When really it was just maybe one person, and you were able to kind of see like, "Okay, yeah, they didn't vibe with my choices." You know, you know how you know how um, we always we ask every guest like, "What's their nugget?" You know, like the, their one nugget of advice. I feel like if I looked back at the last 75 episodes and I was like, what's the one nugget aside from the self-discovery stuff that we've been talking about recently, if it was about the business aspect, it would be book the office. That would be your nugget. That would be my nugget. It would be because it just like encapsulates so many things when it comes to what it means to be a working actor in this town. Cause it's about building relationship. It's about, you know, being prepared and, and focused and showing up, you know, um, as as a as a as a good actor, and by good I mean both in talent and in um, professionalism. Um, it's about not being attached to whether or not you actually book. It's about not being attached to what it looks like in the room, or you know who else is there and what they think of you. As long as the casting director likes me, likes my choices, and willing to bring me back again, I book the office, and I'll book another office, and I'll book another office, and eventually you will you will work. You know, and it may take years, but, you know, most acting careers do mm-hmm. take years. So that was my one meeting this week. But the other thing I want to talk about is something that we completely forgot to talk about yeah. in the last episode. Yeah. So it was really funny because Trevor alluded to it in his solo episode two episodes ago. And then we were, he was like, you know, I'll let AJ talk about it in 75. And then I didn't. Uh, <laughs> so, but um, what it was, I was having a... Um, a very interesting conversation with uh, uh, Mr. Ben Whitehair, who most of you know from the podcast. And we were talking about, um, we we're having a conversation about money and revenue streams and actors and actors making money and actors having a second revenue stream. And Ben was saying that, you know, he thinks it's extremely important for actors to have a secondary revenue stream. And the, 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 the conversation beyond, beyond, I'm sorry, interject here real fast, beyond like a bartending, you mean? Yeah, I mean... So something that's kind of self-generated. Something, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be passive, but, you know, it's something that is steady, um, that is uh, something you can accomplish and and, be, and still be flexible enough to go out on auditions. It's making enough money to not, not just cover your bills, like not just that you're surviving. You know, that's why we call them thrival jobs. There's a difference between surviving and living. So you get to live, right? That's... Number one, you get to live, and then you get to not worry about where your money's coming from or if you're going to have enough. And by doing so, you get to focus on your acting career and and be present to that. So we were talking, we were talking about this, and the thing that blew my mind about what we were talking about is he said, if you booked, and this goes for a lot of our listeners out there, right? If you booked five guest star spots, five. In one year, you would be thinking like, oh my God, I'm having the best year ever, right? Like, this is amazing. Five guest star spots. I'm booking the office. Now I'm booking the roles. I'm on all these TV shows. I'm just kicking butt in my career. Like, you would be having a stellar, stellar year, right? You look at the day player rates, top of show guest, guest star, and multiply that per day, multiplied by five, right? And we did the math and like the most you could make from that, like two day guest star or whatever, um, top of show guest, 
it, we averaged it out of all the different, like the low end calculations and the high end, end calculations, and we averaged it out, and it was about sixty thousand dollars, not including residuals. Um, yes, that's true, not okay. including residuals, but on the low end, it was like a teacher's salary, you know, forty a starting out teacher's salary, like forty thousand dollars a year, right? Which is just a travesty in itself. The teachers get paid that. Oh little. God, they should yeah. all be making six figures at don't least. Even, don't even get me started on the yeah. education system in this country. It's not what our podcast is about, but I will go there, and it will not be pretty. <laughs> I think we'll both go there. So let's it, will just, not, it will not be pretty. Let's just I know. cap that before it starts. I know, right? Yeah. Nip it in the bud. But basically, you know, like on the low end, it was like $40,000. And, you know, you look at your life and what you're, what you're making out and what your thrival job is. Well, first of all, like it, it, this is where it stands to reason that people stay in the jobs that, uh, that have them in their golden handcuffs, you know, right. where it's like I right. have to have this job or I'm not going to be able to survive out there or whatever. And second of all, booking five guest star spots in one year for someone who's playing at least at our level, Trevor... It's not something that's going to happen all the time. At least not until you are booking five guest star spots a year. Then it becomes much more easy. Obviously, it becomes easier. You book more and more and more and more and more. But you might have a great year one year and then a terrible year the next. At $40,000, like, it's barely sustainable. And that's, that's thinking, like, big. Five guest star spots in one year? That's thinking huge. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's tons of actors out there who book like that all the time. They have recurring roles. They have co-star, guest star, recurring Whatever it is. So the smart actors have that secondary, you know, revenue stream. I was thinking about, uh, you know, p- successful people I've had on the podcast, like Mark Atterbury. Like, guy works all the time. All the time. Does it mean he stops teaching his class? Does it mean he stops, you know, taking headshots? No. He's got a family to support. Probably got a house. I mean, I don't know what his life mm-hmm. is like, but it just, like, it blew my mind. Because I was like, oh, my God. Like, for, it, here's the here's the deal. for For anyone who's out there waiting to become a successful actor before they can say i have enough money to do x or waiting to become a successful actor before they can say i'm a success when it comes to my job and i have you know enough money to just be an actor like all that stuff is insane you're you're going to with that mentality save the best for never Mm -hmm. i have a friend who who booked uh, like several national commercials in one year he had like a fantastic, it was ridiculous. Like he, he made, you know, buttloads of money. And so he didn't have to work for a long time, year and a half, something like that. And then all of a sudden the money dried up and, you know, now he's broke. Right. He didn't work during that time. So whereas if, if it was me, I would have taken all that money, paid off my, we're getting into a finance conversation now, but it's good. I would have taken all that money. I would have paid off my debt and I would have kept working. Mm-hmm. I would have paid off all my student loans, car payment, you know, car loan, all that stuff. And then just ke- and then just kept working. Yeah, or maybe invested some of it. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Turn it into passive income. Yeah, invest it, put it in savings, all that stuff. Yeah, just kind of spread it around, and then keep working. So the second line of income that, that Ben's referring to. I mean, I know I just asked this a few minutes ago, but this is entrepreneurial in nature. This is above and beyond your waiting tables, bartending gig. Or- I think I think so. I mean, I think so. In order to like truly set you up to win, because like, you know. A bartending gig, a, 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 a wait, a waiting, waiting, t- you know, server, being a server, while you know, totally honorable and admirable. I'm not taking anything away from that, but that doesn't necessarily afford you a flexible schedule. It doesn't necessarily afford you. Um, it it there's not there's no guarantee that there's job security mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Um, there's no guarantee. You know what I mean? So like, there's there's really not a lot of guarantees when it comes to that. 
so you know entrepreneur <laughs> yeah yeah you know, we've talked about it before that's interesting and i think you know as <clears throat> actors we're all entrepreneurs we have that kind of spirit in us mm-hmm. i had an interesting conversation with uh, an accountability partner when i was going through the abundance bound personal finance program mm-hmm. miata Edoga's uh company god i don't it was episode 40 something or other two episodes and um, part of the program is is talking about creating a you know your own your own business and kind of running that and, and forecasting you know profit and loss and all that stuff. And I was talking to my accountability partner, and this was before I really had my head wrapped around this stuff. And and uh, she you know we were checking in, and she said, "What you know? What's your what was what did you come up with for you know a potential business opportunity mm-hmm. that you could explore?" And I was I kind of said, "Well, why couldn't my why can't my um." my acting be my, my secondary business. And of course I didn't really, I couldn't really wrap my head around what she meant, which is more kind of what in line, what Ben is saying, which is your secondary line of income, mm-hmm. not your primary. But, but what I was kind of getting at was I'm putting all this energy into my acting career. Why am I not focusing on making money with that somehow and focusing instead on creating kind of a base for myself? And again, I, I see the, the flaw in this argument already, but I'm thinking of people like, um, this guy Chester that, that's, um, that you and our friend Nathaniel know yeah. who went to school with. Yeah. I mean, that guy's just, he just started a production company with the director who worked on like the last two fast and furious movies. Yeah. And he's making like $10,000 a month just creating content. Yeah. And now he's got a platform, you know I mean? He, he's, he was on a Disney show and he's been able to kind of build his reputation and stuff. But imagine if we were all kind of working towards that business model of like, I'm an actor, I'm going to create vehicles or, or platforms to build my audience so that I can start getting paid for this. You know, we were talking sure, earlier about... Sure, we were talking about, yeah, Tim. Tim, uh, Tim, who makes, you know, I think you get a million hits on a YouTube video. You can, <clears> you can sign up for their partner program and the payout is between two and $3,000 for a million hits. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not a ton of money. You've mm-hmm. got to have several dozen videos making, you know, a couple million hits to yeah. make any sort of decent income off that for the year. But that said, building a platform is just as important as building a secondary stream of kind of entrepreneurial income, I think. I mean, I would agree with that, but I also, you know, the Chester and Tim stories, I feel like don't happen as often as, as many people are out there trying to create those stories. Like there's a lot of people out there who think I'm going to become a YouTube star. Yeah. And it's it's like, and it never happens. It's it's like, it's a chicken or the egg. Exactly. You know, all the, all the, um, all the people who like create web series and you know, all that stuff that think that, yeah, this is it. This is my ticket. Like when I do a web series, I think, Oh, that was so much fun. And like, I had a great time and I got some good footage and whatever happens happens. Mm hmm. But there's a lot of people out there who think like this is it. This is gonna make me a star. Oof. Yeah. You know? And see that's that's it's like the it's like the podcast, for instance. Like we have thousands of listeners to listen to this. Do I think I'm famous because of that or that it's gonna make me money? No. We do it because we love it. We do it because we like sharing our stories with with other with other actors. We do it because, you know, it's an excuse to talk to people in the industry. Like all all, all that stuff, all the reasons for having this podcast. But I'm not I'm not sitting here thinking like this is what is going to be my secondary my secondary income right you know what i mean yeah so i i think it would be awesome if we could all create you know all be youtube stars or create what chester's created or create you know our own artistically based entrepreneurial effort right all i'm saying is that make sure you're looking at all possibilities yes and going after the ones that make sense 
right that exactly. might actually turn around and make you money right now Ex- exactly <clears throat> that's and that's the key the stuff that's going to kind of pay off first but the majority of your energy is there but i think that you know we've talked about this in the podcast so many times like don't just leave your acting career up to chance you know like focus no, on not at fo- all. focus on your secondary line of income right but put 10 15% of your effort you know a few hours a day here and there into building that platform and expect to work really hard you know you're making a web series yeah. don't think that this is going to be it like expect to be making 5 or 10 of these things before right. somebody starts to take notice right. but i feel like if we all just go okay cool you know i've got my my business selling widgets over here and this is going to be awesome and then 4 years go by and you haven't done anything as an actor because you were just so busy selling widgets you know what I mean? I think yeah, that's all I'm trying true. to say is like, but if you make sure you're building, you have, you have an eye time. on earning income as as an actor as well. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I and obviously you don't want to ignore your acting career if you want to be an actor. Like you can't. It's yeah, a, you yeah, know, you can't. Yeah. Um, though you know, Ben also said something to me that I thought was interesting, which is like, if you wanted to start your own business and you spent 12 hours a day, or he says on a crate like 15 hours a day on it for like three weeks straight. Every single day, like seven days a week for three weeks straight, 15 hours a day. And that's all you did was focus on growing that business. Do you think by the end of those three weeks, like you'd have a, a successful up and running machine of a business that might be bringing in, you know, generating income and in abundance right now? I think there's an argument for that. Like if you were sure. that focused and you really were working 15 hours a day and not, you know, working for a few minutes and then checking Facebook again. Right. You know, right. And you said that um, you said that last episode. You said you know if if um, Erica who called in, you know she wanted to do voiceover, she wanted to do commercials, and you said pick one to kind of focus on because the mm, other two are yeah. going to suffer if you focus on one. And so whatever that balance is for for anybody, you yeah. know, find out what that balance is between driving forward and just completing something, yeah, right off the bat. But but you know not completely neglecting right. the other thing the thing that's really important to you in the in the interim i'm not saying one cannot stretch that's not what i'm you know trying to suggest here i could, everybody can 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 stretch and you know you can sleep for 3 4 hours a night and feel totally rested because you're just totally on fire you know um committed action is better than coffee you know, ooh, is that a saying that you've picked uh, up from? Yeah, uh, I picked up that up from my coaching. Committed action is better than coffee. Yeah, it is. It totally is, and I'm experiencing that right now. Knowledge bomb. But just make sure. <laughs> I just did it with my mouth. What? <laughs> just make sure that. Um, just make sure that it truly is committed action in that one area. So, like uh, with the voicemail with Erica's voicemail, for instance. Hi, Erica. We're talking to you again, <laughs> as if we didn't talk to you enough last. She's like, stop talking to me. Um, with, with that voicemail, like if you want to spend two hours a day working on the voiceover thing, two hours a day working on the commercial thing, two hours a day working on, you know, working in theater, all I'm saying is those two hours are like you are a maniac on a mission. You are like committed like nothing else and you have a goal that you're trying to, to, to achieve and you're just like cranking and then you put it down after those two hours and you move on to the other thing and that could absolutely produce results. Absolutely, you know. So, like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying that you know, people can't stretch, even if you think your acting career is going super, super well. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the income to live as opposed to survive. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think we got into the how. Yeah, a little bit, which, yeah, is, which is bit. great. Which is great. It's all. It's all good conversation. But if you guys have anything you want to say, add, subtract. 
disagree with, agree with. Indeed. You know how to get a hold of us. Yeah. Um, we even have a new way. We do. Let's go ahead and yeah. Let's just go ahead and drop that bomb before we uh, before we, we move on. We have a, a Facebook group, Inside Acting listener, longtime listener, and patron of the podcast, George Savage, uh, emailed us and said, "Guys, I think it's time for a face an Inside Acting Facebook group." Mm-hmm. And uh, after AJ responded to uh, the voicemail last week from Erica and said, "You know, we have this community of people all over the world who are kind of." dealing with some of the same issues that 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 she outlined in that, in that voicemail it seemed like the perfect time to just yeah. get this, this group started so what we're, we'll, we'll post a link on our uh, on our website to the facebook group it's an open group so anybody can join the only thing we ask is that a you be cool and respectful okay no like douchebaggery don't be calling people you know stupid names and putting anybody down we don't tolerate that we will kick you off for that uh and b um, try to add value because one concern that we both have is that if we start a group like this, that people will go on there and just kind of eventually just use it as a place to kind of self-publicize. Mm-hmm. Just go on and say, hey, check out my new web series. Hey, check out my Kickstarter campaign. Hey, look at this. Hey, I'm on TV here. I think it's all great, you know, and we're all about celebrating success and people working and, and doing amazing things. But if that's all you're doing, you're not adding value to the group. Value right. is not the web series you're working on. Value is you contributing knowledge, sharing links, and asking questions, asking questions, answering questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that kind of community yeah. that we really want to foster yeah. with, with the podcast. A community so, of givers, not takers. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that said, of course, don't be afraid to post your stuff and, and promote what you're doing. Cause we think that's awesome too. Just, you know, find what that balance is. That's it, man. Yeah. I think we crushed it. <laughs> Boom. Just like that. Boom. Boom. All right. Part one of our interview with Ryan Sage, filmmaker who's got a really kind of cool story about getting his, his most recent film made. So enjoy this, guys, and we'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, we are sitting here with filmmaker Ryan Sage, and I'm really excited to be sitting with, with Ryan for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is that he's a friend of Brian Bolomo's, and many of you longtime Inside Acting listeners may recognize Brian's name from all the way back in episode two, where we chatted about uh, the, you know, the artistic career, but also uh, finances in the artistic career. So Ryan is not only a friend of Brian's, but also a, a, a really fantastic filmmaker with a very, very, very interesting story. Uh, as to kind of how he got to to where he is. So, Ryan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Cool. Um, let's get started at the very. You know, before before we go to the beginning, let me give, you, give people a little bit of a background on you because you you've you've made your first feature recently. It's called Worth the Wait. Yes. And uh, there's a very unique story with that. Um, and you've been working in Hollywood now for about eleven years ish. Yes. Um, mostly on the production side of things. Yes. But you are really a filmmaker at heart. You went to film school at, um, was it in Oregon that you went to film school? I went to, I grew up in Oregon and then I went to film school in San Francisco at the Academy of Art University. Okay. Although when I went, it was a college. They've, they've gone and grown up on me. So they've since, <laughs> since upgraded. Yes. <laughs> so if, if there, if it's possible, um, let's see if we can condense, you know, everything from, from birth all the way up through your LA years. <laughs> <laughs> give, give us the, uh, give us 30 the, seconds. Go. Yeah, the, the 30, 30,000 30, foot view here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, down there is birth. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, pretty much. I, I mean, like 
I think I always wanted to be in film. Like I don't remember ever not wanting to do film. Um, I think my original goal was animation. Um, cause I used to draw a lot. Like I was, I was dyslexic as a child. And so like spelling, I was horrible at, so I didn't like to write. Um, and so instead of writing, I draw and I did a lot of drawing stuff like that. And then I got more interested in, in movement and animation and stuff like that. Um, although I didn't really do any animation, but I thought a lot about it. Um, but then something clicked in my head where I'm like, you know, I don't think that's going to be enough control. <laughs> like there'll always be like a director, like I'll, uh, if I'm just drawing, someone else will always be telling me what to do. And so I started making short films, I think in high school and, uh, they're, they're pretty bad. They're ones that, um, like me and my sister play lovers in, and this horror movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, <laughs> stop right there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, and then actually I, I want to hear about that story. <laughs> How awkward was that? It, well, there was no make out scenes or anything like that. I basically, yeah, it's. I don't even know if it's worth talking about is she, it. Is this like a story that she's just like, you did, you just don't talk about it. No, no, no. Stuff. I think, uh, I think we get, we both get enjoyment out of watching it. So, all <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Fair enough. We can leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, some, someday I'll figure out a, a way to get that up onto the internet. Um, uh, so yeah, so we just start off doing short films, stuff like that. And then I think somewhere, I just expected it to happen. Like, I didn't think I had to actually do anything. Like, in high school, I just, like, somebody will just call me and give me a job as a director. And I don't know what was going on in my head, but I, I wasn't connecting the dots. And I went to University of Oregon, which they had a, a film school that got uh, cut um, because of a, a tax tax cut. Um, and so then I, I just kind of floundered around. Um, that's not a real word, but you know, you flounder, I guess. Uh, and I didn't, um, I, I just, just sort of like was not doing much to make that happen. And then it was sort of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I there was a girl actually, there's always a girl involved in the progression of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she went to investigate some schools down in California and so I went with her to the library and I saw this film school in there and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's in, in San Francisco. My grandparents live in Santa Rosa. That'll be real close by. Cool. I'll, I'll go do that. And that's about as much thought. And I think I told them that I did all this research and I, you know, I convinced like my parents and grandparents, I was like, Oh, I, I checked out all these schools and this is the one, you know, and really it was, it was just like me flipping pages and going like, Hey, this one's cool. San Francisco. Nice. And, um, <laughs> that's more or less how I bought my car. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I, I went there and it ended up being a really good experience. The, the film school, it was, it was pretty new. The art school is, is, is old. It's been there for a long time. Um, the Academy of Art. Uh, but the film school, when I started, the very first graduating class was going through. So that was, it's only four years old. And they just invested a bunch of money into the school. And so they had all this equipment and they didn't have that many students at that time. And Perfect. yeah, so it was, I was out shooting pretty much every weekend. I was on an avid in my second year. So I, I was there for five years. So I had four years experience on an avid by the time I graduated, um, which became key in me getting work down here. Um, when I moved down to LA and, and I just shot a lot. Like I, I, I DP other people's projects. So I could screw up their movies and, and learn on, <laughs> on their, their money. And, and, um, we were shooting on film back in those days. And so that was, it was also kind of cool. Like that. I was sort of like the tail end of film and I could, 
learn, which, which I think is really important understanding exposure and all that stuff. Like you just get a better knowledge when you're actually are working with chemicals and see what happens when you overexpose or underexpose and all that stuff. Cause it's still relevant when you get into digital. Um, so I was, uh, learning, um, film stuff, but then the, the digital stuff was happening there too. And so I, I was pretty happy with the education. There's only one or two good teachers. Everyone else was pretty crappy. They were all like LA burnouts that had were like PAs basically and burned out and came down. But to me, I was like, Oh my God, you're on a film set. That's awesome. You know, like that seems so high up in the world to me. Um, but they, they were just bitter and were always talking down about LA, which fortunately I never let that sink in. I just took them as being bitter. So, um, that's good. That's, it's a good distinction to make, especially early on. Otherwise, I think, I wonder how many people actually get just turned off to everything because they run into somebody like that first. Right. You know? Right. And it, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, and it, it helps breed insecurities. Like it's cause it's, it's taking a leap to move down to LA. Cause my thing is like, I think I, I was always procrastinating, um, for fear of like, I had one dream goal to make a movie and I'm 37 now and I just finally made it. So that means for basically 20 years, I've been procrastinating on doing my one goal. And I, I think I can sum it down to, or, uh, boil it down to the fact that I was just afraid of failing because if this is my one goal, I go out and I fail, then what? That was it. Mm, you know? Scary. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Now I sort of realize that like you just do it and if you mess up, you do another one. Like it's not the end of the world. You just got to keep on going. Right. Yeah. We were talking a little bit earlier and we were saying, you know, how so many people claim to have a system or a method or a step-by-step right. process for having a, you know, a, a proven path to success. But really the secret, you know, the quote unquote <laughs> secret is just doing the work. Let's bottle and, it and sell it. Yeah. Let's bottle that and sell <laughs> it. Just do the, here's the, here's the yeah. secret do it right <laughs> you know yeah. like so many people just want to talk about it or they want to sell something or they want to find some shortcut or think right. that they know somebody who knows somebody but nothing ever happens until you sit down and just you know follow Stephen pressfield's advice do the work you yeah know? absolutely and that was when and i'd always even you know through film school i was shooting constantly and then when i got down to la um i'd always be shooting my own projects on the weekends and stuff uh so i'd constantly be doing the work um, just on a small scale, I do shorts and then I, I jumped up and did a pilot and I got some pretty decent talent. I had George went Aaron gray and some other people. Yeah. But, you've, you've really got a nice, uh, list of, of creations there on IMDb. I mean, you've got a ton of shorts and pilots and, and, yeah. and things with some pretty big name actors in them. Yeah. And, and people attached. Yeah. It, but again, that, that's sort of a looking back, like doing a pilot, that was kind of a procrastination because I thought I could have done a feature at that point. Like I spent more money on that pilot than I spent on worth the wait. And so, but I, I was, uh, convinced because i started my first job i got in la which i i still basically do this for a living it's doing tv promos i got a job at the wb kids wb actually um and and so it's it's like writing and producing the little commercials you see promoting shows um and so i thought well i'm in, i'm in tv maybe a, a an easier path is that i'll do a tv pilot and then i can go do a feature after that um but the the thing is that that I, I think a lot of people that come up with sort of like how I have a, a plan of how to get someplace, you 
you forget that there's people extremely passionate about TV that are all about TV. And so if you're kind of like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to just do a TV show or two. Like, you can't just do a TV show because you're competing against people that live, breathe, and sweat TV. So for for me, I can't compete against I can compete against people that do film because that's what I, at my heart, really want to do. And that's what I'm living, breathing, and sweating. But I was I was trying to do this sort of like walk up to it um Mm -hmm. and so so all this time did you feel like did you you knew in your heart that you were just procrastinating on this big scary goal that was out there well it's easier to look back now but um uh i i just saw it as a plan it's sort of like i the 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 path of least resistance because it's kind of like how do i do a feature film that we were kind of talking about before about when you it's, when you don't really have experience in starting a project it's kind of scary and you you think that there's all these obstacles and really there's not that many obstacles money is the biggest one like that's that's the biggest obstacle but if you can get figure out a way to get that um, there's you know it's it's not that hard you can make you can make it easy on yourself yeah yeah so you you got to lane you had a couple odd jobs you were telling me about this kind of cad work job you would do helping cities lay pipes and power lines yes. and things in the ground which is which is a whole story into itself just goes to show that you know we all have our different circuitous paths into this industry right um but you eventually you worked your way up to to make this film so before we get started with this kind of neat story um tell us a little bit about what the film's about uh, Worth the Wait is basically about an uh, ex-football player um, who blew out his knee, and then we pick up the story about seven years later, and he sort of just let himself go. In that time, his, his mother has passed away, and he had always hoped to make the NFL to pay her back, and he's just sort of down on himself, and he he gets into a competition, a weight loss competition with his friends, and sort of provoked into it. And so he, he does it and I don't think he's full heart into it, uh, at the beginning, but he, he ends up going to a gym and gets a trainer and he ends up falling for the trainer. So the basic story is just about a, a big guy trying to lose weight to find love. Um, but then along the way he discovers that it wasn't, um, the weight that was really holding him back. Um, and, and I actually think it's kind of a good <laughs> parallel story to mine in a way because, you know, I put these imaginary obstacles in my way and I think people do that a lot with their life. Like, you know, I can never have a girlfriend cause I'm fat. Like how, how am I, you know, you, you, you put this mind block there, which isn't true. Fat people date all the time. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a, a crazy, ridiculous uh, a thought, but I think we all do that. We always have an excuse for why we're not doing something. And it's so easy to tell ourselves that. And that's basically what the movie is him discovering what that block is and removing that block. And, um, and I think it's funny because the movie making the movie is very similar and, it, and, and, uh, what I think we're probably going to talk about next is, is finding the script, which, you know, this wasn't a story that came from me. So it's just kind of interesting that I found the script and it kind of, paralleled you know right. both the, the process of making and what the actual story is well i think i mean you were telling me is any of this um film based in on on events or circumstances from your own life no 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 parts at all no um well that's not true there's there's little elements of it that are based on my life like uh the scene that that brian's in um there's a scene where he uh, the lead character, Sam drops off the trainer and, um, 
is standing at the door is Brian, who's the trainer's ex-boyfriend. And, um, and it's sort of like this, this moment, um, basically I had gone out with this girl and I was like, Oh, this date is going great. This is so good. And then we pull up to her house and then there's this other guy there who's like an ex-boyfriend. She's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I gotta go deal with him. And then they went and then basically made out on the, st- the step there and then went inside. And I was just like dagger in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's like little moments like that, that I try to pepper in. Like I always, you know, for me, filmmaking is trying to get as close to the truth as possible because that's, the most relatable thing, especially for this style of movie. So the more I can pepper in my crazy little stories and stuff that, and make it real for me, I think that'll make it real for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I I do want to talk about, um, of course, how this, how this came about because, you know, normally we don't feature people on the podcast, um, that we haven't had some sort of direct personal experience with. We haven't, we've experienced their work. We've read their books. We've taken their classes. We've, you know, tried out their system, whatever it is. (laughs) Um, and, uh, in this case we haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen the film, unfortunately, the night that it was screening that, that Brian invited me to. And I don't know if I said this in the beginning, Brian is an actor in your film as well. Yes. Um, the night that it was screening, I, I couldn't make it. I had a conflict. And so I said, you know, you know, have like, congratulations. This is awesome. And that's when I was like, well, if I can't see the film, at least I can look up and see what it's about and right. maybe watch the trailer and see if I can see Brian in the trailer. And that's when I read the story. And I, I pulled up the, uh, the Craigslist ad here because what, ha- well, why don't I let you tell it? Uh, you were looking to make a film and you had a couple, I mean, you had two kids at the time. You still have right. two kids. And, but yeah, this, this goes to like just removing the blocks because basically, um, before when I was single, I could write all night and, and I'd basically like lock myself into my apartment and spend a whole weekend writing and it wouldn't be any problem because I wouldn't, wouldn't be affected by anybody else that I'd be living with. Um, but I got married, um, and that marriage came with a two and a half year old at that point. Um, and then I guess when we actually got married, he was five. Uh, and then, uh, within six months she got pregnant. And so then, you know, I very quickly had two children. Um, and it was, it was sort of like in that time that I was like, you know, this is kind of a now or never type of situation. Um, and also the, the, good thing you know to the credit of my wife she was really good about giving me time to work on this stuff but i wanted to make sure that i was keep on working on it because you know if i let that kind of atrophy down where i wasn't doing stuff and then i try to ramp back up into doing work um then that's uh you know it's it's a lot harder on her um but going back to the the blocks I was putting in front of myself I was I was basically previous to this I'd always written all all my stuff that I I've directed uh, there's one short that or actually there's a couple of shorts that actually I I hadn't but uh, the majority of my stuff I had written but I knew that I wasn't going to have the time to especially write a feature with with two kids and 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 all the stuff I needed to do at home um, but I knew that there were so many scripts in L A that were good scripts that just weren't being read by anybody, you know, just because they didn't have access or whatever. So I was trying to figure out how could I get to those scripts? And I I thought of Craigslist um, would be a great place because, you know, actors or, or writers or who, you know, people are always sort of looking for work on there and trying to figure out if they can make some extra money and sort of like what they want to do. So I just put a, a, a simple ad in there that basically was, um, 
I, I actually have it pulled up right here. Oh, can, can I read, can it, I read, read it? it? Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's just fantastic. So the ad reads, I'm looking for a finished comedy script, preferably romantic comedy, to direct. I would be personally funding this, so need needs to be a low, low budget, $500 up front, and then we can work out a deal if it sells or gets distribution. This would be really more about someone who wants their script to be made into a movie. If you really care about money, this probably isn't for you. But if you are interested, please send a log line of your script and I'll get back to you. Yes. So, I, I, I mean, I, I can only imagine the, um, like, just immense <laughs> scope of responses you got to this. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as varied as... The, the most interesting thing I I think I discovered from this is I thought they would all come from L.A. because that's where I put the ad. And more than half of them came from outside L.A. And I think that's because everyone that's in L.A. is a little jaded and probably thought this was some kind of scam or, or something. And everyone outside of L.A. was you know, just wants some way in. And so they're more open to trying different routes. Um, but, but I got, a, you know, a lot of good log lines, but a lot of times they weren't romantic comedies or comedies. It's just people trying to get their ideas. Um, and, and I got a, there's probably like five or six that I requested the script. And then there is basically two that I liked and I optioned both those. There's one that I didn't end up making. And then this one, um, and, and actually he had sent a, a different script to start with and I liked the, his writing, but I didn't care for the story once I got into it. It was a little, um, I, I think too broad and too expensive. Um, and the funny thing was that this, this movie was in its original form was a lot broader than it, than it became. Um, we had, uh, there's two, two smart things I think I did with this project. One was we had this giant sort of chemistry read when we were doing the casting, um, where basically we, uh, Christina Denton, the producer, um, who's also an actor and is just really good at, at picking people for casting and stuff. Uh, we had gone through, spent about probably a month and a half and auditioned, I think close to 500 people for, wow, all, 500 people. For- y- yes. For all the various parts, because, you know, for me, the in a low budget romantic comedy, your actors are your explosions and car chase scenes and everything like like that. That has to be completely on point because that's that's what's going to get the audience to watch. I, I don't know why I thought maybe. Uh, I mean, because you've worked you worked in production, you've, worked, you've been working in production it for a few years by this point. So there weren't uh, actors that you had in mind or people that you knew that you just were like, Hey, you want to be in my movie? Um, well, there, there are a couple people that play some, like uh, just like a few line parts that I've had almost like, I think one of my has been in film since film school with me basically. Um, but actually both of them were, one was a waiter and one was a bartender. So they both have sort of these smaller parts, but, um, for the most part, no, like I, I didn't want to like, this was one where I didn't want to go after a name actor because of how the style of shooting, because again, my living situation, like I needed to keep my, my day job. So we only shot on weekends. Um, and if I was to get a somewhat name actor, I knew that they wouldn't be able to stay through the duration of the shoot. They ended up getting some other project and end up shaving off their hair or gaining weight or doing something where the continuity would become very hard. That ended up happening with these actors anyway, but, um, (laughs) before I let you continue, how long did the shoot take altogether then? About six months. Wow. Over, so just weekends over a course of six months. Yeah. And it it got sort of more spread out towards the end because that was when like literally the lead actor, Robbie, 
uh, Caller had cornrows put in his hair for it. He was playing like this uh, rapper guy. And then um, the lead actress, Jillian, who is normally a brunette, became a blonde. She dyed oh, her wow. hair blonde. And then Tommy, who's a, a second lead, uh, Snyder, um, uh, for an audition, he uh, for a big movie, he shaved his head and and he has long hair and a beard. So, wow. So all these were, you know, the, the little fun obstacles towards the end. So we'd have to take a month off, but it all ended up where, I mean, like it was actually a perfect way for doing a first movie shooting on the weekends because we could, we shot one weekend and I could look at the footage I'd edit. And then I'd talk with Dale, the writer, and we would rewrite over the course of the week and, and sort of like hone it. And, um, it really progressed significantly through the whole shoot. Um, and that, and that sort of goes back to originally we had, um, so the, the two things we'd done right with, was, was this chemistry read thing, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But the other thing is we had this table read. Um, and in my opinion, the table read went horribly, like, like literally like halfway through the table read. I, I, w- I was going to stop it. Like I was so embarrassed. I thought it was like, awful it wasn't funny it wasn't good it wasn't entertaining like there was i i just i don't know why but i just wasn't responding to it at all and i was embarrassed that i had cast these actors and brought them all here to read and i had invited friends to come listen i was just like this is horrible and and i mean i was like within a millimeter of of just going i'm sorry sorry guys let's my fault um wow let's go home um but like I, I was like, I, I can't do that because I invited these people here. So, so we made it through and we had a great discussion and, um, uh, especially Christina, the producer and, and Brian's really good with story stuff too. Um, and we had some great conversations and, uh, really kind of made the script more real. Um, cause it was like a bigger, Thing. And it's one of those things that I think this is part of the, for a table read for that. You don't obviously get the physical humor if there's physical humor and stuff like that. But I, I still just didn't feel like it was landing real enough. And so we, we pushed the shoot back like a month and then, um, we spent about two months reworking the script and then, then we started shooting. And, and because of that reworking process, that sort of, I think freed me and, and, and Dale to, to continue write, rewriting through the whole thing. Like it wasn't a fear of like, now we've already changed it so much. Let's just keep on making sure that it's right. It's not, you know, sometimes if you do like a play, you want to get it word for word and it's, and you don't want to change the work. You want to understand the work. And this was kind of the opposite, uh, a little bit. And it was like evolving and, and we worked a lot of the story. Like Robbie used to be a football player himself, um, and played at UNLV, and so that was how we added that story into it again, trying to get more real things into it, um, which prior to that it didn't have that, and so we wanted like some some more motivation stuff, and so we're we're kind of adding in the real stuff. Right. Wait, what an interesting concept. Did you? I mean, did you meet? Dale in person, Dale, Dale, the writer, the screenwriter. Did you meet him in person during any of this? No. Because I we, think I saw we, a picture on the we, website where you met him yeah, at one of the, the screenings. First, yeah, Cinequest, where the the world premiere uh, was the very <laughs> first time we met. Um, and it was kind of interesting. And actually, we only talked, I think, on the phone twice. Like, um, like other than that, it was just all email, which is kind of weird. Like, it's this whole, like, cyber relationship in a way. Um and then, uh, <laughs> how, how were you rewriting his script without him 
being there. That's crazy. Well, like, I, not, not, not the, uh, and I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, there's going to be like egos involved. I'm talking about like the practicality of like being able to sit down with somebody and, or sit across from somebody and say like, okay, here's my idea. Here's my idea. I'm you know, bouncing ideas off of one another. Basically what would happen is I would sort of pick the direction that, that I'd want it to go or I, I would want, you know, this scene to be. And then he would do a lot of like the punch up and, um, cause he's, he's a stand up comedian. He's great with the, the comedy and he's, um, and then, and just sort of get his opinions on it after. I mean, there was somewhat of a time crunch, like since we only had a week. So a lot of times I would have to sit there and, and punch it out and then send it. So, that, cause it's not, like you said, there's not a lot of time to do the back and forth stuff. Um, but he, to his credit, he was so great to work with through the whole, like he never once had issue with um anything that i was doing like i think we both had the same goal of trying to make the best movie possible and film honestly is a director's medium and as as shitty as it is if you're a writer you kind of got to give yourself to the director a little bit and because if if we were to make his script he would have to direct it to really get all his ideas across um once I become the director, I start putting my little ideas in and then it doesn't always line up with his ideas and then it just becomes confusing, I think. So you have to, as a writer, I think, be able to uh, work with the director and, and try to understand his point of view and what he's trying to get across. And, and Dale did a great job of doing that, like to his credit. Hey guys, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed part one of our interview with Ryan Sage. I love how um, my favorite thing about... Well, he talks about this in the second part, so I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but I just love how he was like, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was working hard at it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, and I just love that. It's like, that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. You know, you just work hard at it. And he gets much more into that in the second half. So, um, so look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that I really mm-hmm. like about this interview and one thing that really kind of made me excited to sit down with him is that he's, you know, he's got a family, he's got two kids, he's married, he's got, you know, a mortgage to pay and all this stuff. And yet he's still out there kind of hitting the pavement and pursuing his, right. His passion with all these other kind of obligations and somewhere in my head, it got linked up somewhere in my life that once I have kids, the, the era of Trevor getting what he wants is over. And that's clearly not true. No, but for some reason I had that linked in my head and and sitting down with him and seeing how he went and did it with all these other responsibilities as a, as a provider and a father and a husband, um, really kind of opened that world up a little bit for me. Yeah. And speaking of stretching, that's committed action. Like he, you know, he's working as, tail off he i mean you know talking about only shooting on the weekends and blah 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 like he was working his butt off all the time all day every day um mm-hmm. on multiple things at once you know so um it's possible yeah it's possible you yeah. just you get to work really hard <laughs> you get to work really hard yes uh what is your pick of the week my I'm pick of the frere. week uh my pick of the week is a uh website um that offers a very unique service. It may not seem unique, but this is the best method of doing um, doing this I've seen online. Um, it's called Join Me. Join dot me. 
um, is the website. You can sign up for a free account or a paid account, a pro account. The pro accounts are really cool. And basically, what it allows you to do is to screen share, um, but that it doesn't end there. Um, you can screen share with one other person, and then you can like uh, offer them control of your screen. So it can help in terms of like helping, you know, grandma, you know, with any computer problems she might be having at her house. Um, you can also do the flip, you know, the opposite of that where you can control their screen. And you can also turn your screen into a presenter display where you're essentially displaying everything. You're transmitting everything that's going on on your screen plus your voice, you know, pick, that's your, you know, computer's microphone is picking up and essentially hold court. Like you can, you know, teach a class, show people how to do something, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I just thought, you know, uh, especially with the conversation we were having before about being entrepreneurial, it's a great tool to be able to do, you know, one on uh, with somebody or yeah, all kinds of stuff. So I've been using it in my computer consultation business. Oh, that's cool. And I figured I'd share it with with now. Um, can't you do that with? I think when Leopard came out for the Mac, that was a feature that they were kind of touting well, screen sharing and screen sharing and, has been a feature of. Um, well, there's back to my Mac, which was a personal thing. It wasn't necessarily like screen sharing, and that was part of um, Dot Mac and then Mobile Me um, <clears throat> for a long time. And then um, they built screen sharing right into iChat, is right. what it was, um, and it and it works well. But you're, then you're only talking Mac to Mac. The thing, the crazy thing about Join Me is that you do have to download a little tiny application if you want to be the transmitter but if you are simply receiving the transmission in other words you're watching someone else's display all you have to do is go to a website so like there's all these i mean there's security built in you know six cool. ways from yeah, sunday that's my concern. there's yeah. like codes that you have to put in in order to join certain conferences you know teleconferences then there's um you know if you want to request like you know uh, control over somebody's computer you have to you have to do so you have to click on a button and the other person has to accept that like there's all you know it's 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 really slick which is why it's my pick of the week like it's super slick and i started using it for my computer consultation business and i'm also um considering um well not considering i'm, I'm gonna do this it's just a matter of uh when um teaching uh portions of like hour two hour long portions of my digital actor workshop to a large group of people because all they have all i have to do is share a link and be online at that time oh wow that's so, so what i so would, multiple people can join this yes yes exactly well, that's, so it's like a webcast yeah exactly it's a it's a personal webcast well, that's uh, pretty software. cool yeah so right. so like i was thinking like you know just say like hey i'm gonna be teaching my digital actor workshop or you know a portion of it here's the topic i will be covering i'm gonna be doing it such and such a time you know log on here's the website I like so that, man. 10 minutes before, you click on the thing, you go, and it, and it brings it up. So how about this? Here's our homework for this week. Find some sort of entrepreneurial pursuit, some sort of knowledge that oh, you I have. I like this, yes. Some sort of knowledge that you have that other people want or don't have, and you can just think about what people ask you about, what kind of books you have on your shelf, what kind yeah. of magazines you subscribe to. <clears throat> Find out what that is and start brainstorming a way that you could turn that into a business. Maybe that business only makes 200 bucks a month. But that's two hundred bucks a month. You yeah, know, start, that you wouldn't start, have had anyway. Yeah, so see if maybe you can identify three or four of those kind of things that might have a business in there somewhere. Yeah, and then maybe uh, maybe next week we'll we'll brainstorm the next step. You know, and and yeah. if you if you think about that in the context of of something like join me. I mean, there's your information product right there, and that's what's in demand these days. It's not necessarily a physical product that you have to sell. It could be information. And there's right. a great way to market it and, and provide a service for people in the convenience of their own homes. Exactly. That's and, brilliant. And your own home. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
that's the homework. Uh, reach out to us with ideas. Send us emails. Call the podcast um, and go onto our Facebook group and, and join up and, and, and start the discussion. Sweet. I love that. All right. <laughs> What's your pick of the week, man? <laughs> I got to follow that, man. My pick of the week is such a guilty pleasure, I'm man. All, I'm always the one who's like, oh, I downloaded a new app. <laughs> like, I've been playing this game. I almost did that until I, rem- yeah. until I remembered I started using Join Join Me this week. I was like, yeah, matching with friends. Someone <laughs> out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. And they're like, ee! AJ <laughs> dances space with space words dances with I words what you're talking about is my is my uh, is my username dances space with space words dances with words all right on all of the friends with blah 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 friends games with the games. Zynga games yeah. yeah so I play words with friends hanging with friends matching with friends and scramble with friends thank you and good night all right, all right. well I'm glad you didn't say that because because that. Given the first part of this episode, and then now what we're talking about now, if you had said that, and then I said what I'm going to say, it would have been like, I don't really see the These connection. These two guys, guys are jokesters. Like, yeah. So when you're not so recording, wait, you wait, just totally wait. dick around. I know, you're totally playing games. <laughs> what is your pick yeah. of the week now? I'm really curious. A TV show called Ghost Adventures. It's a ghost hunting show, but it's way better than Ghost Hunters. Okay, I, I was just kind of on. Uh, was on way the, better than it's. Be, the show is better, but the title's way worse. No, the, the title's stupid, right? Ghost but, Adventures. It sounds like a. It sounds like a kid show. I know. It sounds like Who's Afraid of the Dark on like Nickelodeon when it, we were kids. It, it does. It does sound stupid, but I have to tell you that this show is the best. <laughs> the best paranormal activity reality show I've ever seen. So the difference between this and Ghost Hunters is that Ghost Hunters is usually just two dudes with a huge crew that I guess somehow work out deals or or are requested to come to a location that is purported to be haunted, and they spend the whole time trying to, to debunk the haunting. And then at the end, they have the big reveal, and they sit down with the owner, and they show him what they found, and usually it's like a scratchy EVP, and it's maybe a photograph that's got like an orange haze, and they're like, oh my god, look, it's a ghost, we can't explain it. Or we can't explain it, my finger was in front of the flash, like, you know, whatever, Okay, right? I always thought Ghost Hunters was weak, but I watched it because I didn't know anything else that was that was good. <clears throat> enter, Until now. Enter Ghost Adventures. So in 2006 or seven, these three guys made a documentary where they locked themselves inside of a haunted hotel. Actually, a couple different locations. This sounds like the worst idea ever. Go ahead. So they locked themselves in there <laughs> overnight, and it's just three of them with cameras. There's no big camera crews and stuff like that, and they usually lock themselves in locations where the ghosts have been known to push people, pull people's hair, scratch them, whatever, and these guys go in and like taunt the ghosts. So it's pretty intense, and some of these locations that they've been in are super freaking creepy. And they they go; th- it's on the Travel Channel, so they go through all the history and things of the locations. And then when you learn about all the murders and rapes and and deaths and disease and stuff that happened in this location four hundred years ago or whatever, then they get locked in there overnight. <laughs> it's really really good stuff. My eyes are so big right now, and, and I have so to say, scared. for for all you non-believers, <clears throat> just check out the show and have some fun with it if you don't believe. I I grew up in a house that was definitely haunted, and I was still kind of skeptic skeptical about it until I went to the Queen Mary a couple years ago yeah. with uh, with my then girlfriend and totally recorded uh, an EVP there. And I'll play it for anybody who asks. Anybody who wants to hear it, just email me and we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, I've heard the <clears throat> recording by the way that. Trevor's talking about and it um yeah it's pretty convincing yeah and I, I was there and it's I mean yeah I I'm a believer now after that yeah and the show is just loads of fun man so check it out ghost adventures ghost adventures <laughs> <laughs> so
So if you guys dig the podcast, there are a lot of different ways that you can get in touch with us and support the podcast. You can start by going to our website at InsideActingPodcast.com and, of course, telling your friends that you think might get something out of this little thing we do to do the same. Um, you can leave us a comment there. You can email us at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. And you can also call us and leave a message on our voicemail, 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash InsideActing um, or at uh, Twitter, Twitter.com slash InsideActing. You can follow our individual accounts. I'm at Twitter.com slash DigitalActor. I'm Twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. And you can... Leave us a comment slash rating on both iTunes and Actor Rated. So um, go on over there, click on the fifth star if you wouldn't mind. If you do mind, let us know how we can improve first so that we can actually improve before leaving us a nasty, nasty comment. And uh, last but certainly not least, of course, you can always donate to the podcast. Um, you can do that by heading on over to our website, Inside Acting Podcast. Dot com. Uh, click on the donate button on the right-hand side. Obviously, whether you do it as a donation or an education expense, you can write it off on your taxes. You can uh, give us one lump sum of a billion dollars, or you can also uh, you know, donate to the podcast um, in uh, little monthly increments. That's right. You can donate at uh, $3 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or $20 a month, and... Um if you do that, we consider you a patron of the podcast, and we like to call you guys, those of you that, that do do this, patrons, because um, we like to think that what we provide is similar to what a coffee shop provides for its patrons. You know, you go into a coffee shop, you maybe buy a bagel or a croissant or whatever, and you sit down and you get to enjoy the space for a couple hours. We like to think that that's kind of similar to what we do here. We, we're not going to, like, kick you out if you don't pay for listening to this podcast, although it does cost us money to do and to run and, and a significant time to put together every week. So if you do get something out of it and you want to hang out in the coffee shop a little bit and help support, you know, what we're doing, feel free to uh, buy us a bagel. What was it? A coffee, a bagel, coffee, lunch, bagel and dinner, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, that'd be very cool. That's the only thing that keeps this podcast going right now. So those yep. of you that do support us, we know who you are. You know who we are. We love you very much. And um, you are the reason that this is still going. Those of you who do get something out of it, uh, if you want to see it keep going, feel free to uh, contribute. It would certainly be appreciated. That's all she wrote. Cool. For episode 76, my name is Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, committed action is better than coffee.